Welcome to Monday. You're here for your nooner with Dooner. Exciting day. Exciting day for the weekend, right? No playoffs. No Royal Rumble. What's a guy to do? Sit around and watch a balloon get popped. That's what it was like live streaming on TV. I mean, this is what like sites like Twitter are built for. I don't know how many of you are on Twitter, but like there's no better site for instant news, especially when you have a Chinese balloon going overhead. Here it is right now. Here's a close up of it getting popped. An F-22 Raptor fighter from the first wing at Langley Air Force Base, Virginia, fired one AIM 9X Sidewinder missile at that balloon right there. The balloon fell six miles off the coast in about 47 feet of water. Nobody was hurt in this incident, but this is a really cool little detail here. The pilots went by the call signs Frank Zero and Frank Zero Two, an homage to World War I hero by the name of Frank Luke Jr. He was an airman who uh, was credited with shooting down 14 German balloons during the war. Can I ask, though, you guys think this is the first balloon? Like, it, the story is like a TikToker found this thing a few days ago, and that's when we first saw it? I don't know. That makes you a little, uh, discon- it's a little disconcerting if that's the first time we saw it. I think there's probably been way more of those, though. But look, eBay's already on the case right here. Look what you can get. You can get a debris from the balloon. It says, American History Artifact, the Great China Spy Balloon, and it's museum grade, $1,500 plus $7.85 shipping. This person has 100% feedback. Only three reviews, though. The uh, description says, I happen to live in Myrtle Beach, one block from the ocean. It witnessed the balloon being shot down. I've been searching for debris all day and night and finally found this and is for sale to the highest bidder. I wonder if, like, Tom Brady's sand had anything to do with this. I don't know if you saw that, but the sand that Tom Brady retired on sold for, like, I don't know, it was like $99,000. 999, that was a big thing. But Fox News says, don't do this. Don't go scouring the beach looking for debris from the Chinese spy balloon. It says, possible Chinese spy balloon debris has been spotted off the coast of South Carolina, and police are asking area residents to report other possible sightings, not put them up on eBay. Police in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, instructed residents not to touch the debris and report it to police. If you do find some, they want you to send it to Quantico for analysis by the FBI. So... Find that balloon debris. I don't know. Maybe eBay's not the best spot. On the show today, I'm joined by Ship Hero founder Aaron Rubin. Aaron, he owned a lifestyle e-commerce brand. He thought all the software for facilitating his needs sucked, so he went and he started Ship Hero. We'll find out how they're simplifying the complicated of warehouses, how he built the company, and all that good stuff. We're also going to see, is the Port of Los Angeles back? We got JCT Transport CEO Ian Wyland here. He's going to bring us a port report straight out of SoCal. We'll find out about the state of drayage, chassis, how import volumes are shaping up, and all that good stuff. We've also got Trumping entre- trucking entrepreneur Heat Treasure on. He's not only sold a trucking company to Red Bull, but he's also intent on taking over the Northwest trucking scene with Super T Transport. We'll learn all about how to build a, su- a successful fleet and maybe sell to Red Bull plus a bunch of other drunk. Let's tip the band. Then we'll get to our first guest. 
at read one. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global transportation management leader, generating nearly $3 billion in annual revenue by providing supply chain solutions for Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they are still experts when it comes to creating customized solutions to fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from AIT Logistics Pros at AIT worldwide.com. Now, this little video I'm going to play right now, it's a little dated. I mean, we are past Christmas, but I thought it was hilarious. And what the truck broke, a very what the truck Christmas was December 16th. So I didn't have a chance to air this one on the show. So this will give you an idea of JCT transport before I bring Ian up. Roll the tape. Hey, Jimmy, what would you like for Christmas? Hey, Santa, I would like to have a chassis for Christmas this year, Santa. You delivered everything on time. Merry Christmas. Chester. Yes, Santa. Can you read the next one in? I'm on it. Hey, Andrew, what's at the top of your Christmas list this year? Hey, Santa, I need to move 15,000 pound piece into a container. I got you. Done, Santa. Right on. Thanks, Santa. Chester? Yes, Santa. Sheesh, look how fast you are. Who's next? Right away. Hey, Sophia, what would you like for Christmas this year? Santa, I don't know if this is possible, but I need to lift a load weighing 60,000 pounds. Merry Christmas. Awesome! Almost done. Hey, Elizabeth, Merry Christmas. Hey, Santa, I need a huge favor. I need to be able to flip containers. I've got the perfect thing. Wow, thanks, Santa. Sheesh. Last one, Santa. I need some cookies. Happy holidays, Chris. How can I make your Christmas merry? Santa, I'm running out of time. I need you to pull a hot load. I got you. That wasn't you in the suit, was it? Oh, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love what you guys did this. You had the elf too, right? You had the elf in the warehouse. The, uh, we had, an el- yeah, we, we went, we did an elf in the warehouse a uh, little bit. We did uh, a, like an elf on the shelf. We did that. Um, it was, it was comical. We, so we had a good time. Honestly, Drage itself is boring. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, we we like to light it up a little bit um, with with all those ideas. Hey, you know, there's a rumor that you were at Manifest, but I think we fell into one of those like conference paradoxes where like I there's some people I saw over and over and over again, like like Joe Lynch from Logistics Logistics. Guy was like a bad penny. He just kept coming up. I kept seeing him all the time, but I'm looking for you, Ian, and I didn't see you once, man. Same. That, the, <laughs> it's like a complete chaos. Find as many customers as you want, or excuse me, as you can. And then it's okay. Let me regroup, and then we go at it again and regroup. Uh, by the time I called you, you had already left. Or you I know. A break. I know. I had to get back. I had to get back to doing what the truck. But I did see that you got home in time too. You were playing a little Candyland with your daughter over the weekend. Um, I didn't have a chance, but I saw my wife. She was playing uh, Battleship with my kids. Is is Candyland the best game though to bring your? Because you have kids about my age. Yes, I, I have a uh, eight month now and a five year old. Yeah. My, our game of choice is, well, we have two. It's Candyland and uh, Guess Who. 
Guess who is not what it was when we were kids? Uh, the plastic uh, game pieces are not what they were. Uh, you have to bend them back each time. It's not my thing. Well, you're playing Guess Who at the port all the time. And, you know, we all know the stories from the past two years when everything was a mess. Nobody knew where anyone's container was and all of that stuff. But we're in a slightly different world. It's 2023 right now. What are you seeing over at the SoCal ports every day? Sure. Uh, the I would say over the last two weeks, uh, the overall volume has picked up a little bit. Mm. I don't know where it stems from. Uh, and I'm not sure how long. I'm, I've, I've been told it's going to be about a month. Uh until we see another dwell, but it depends. Um, I think everyone's kind of gearing up right now for what would be TPM, which is the next big show for our industry, which is at the end of February uh, here in Long Beach. It's kind of the show of shows for, um, for those who ship Trans-Pacific. Yeah, it was. We're out to change that, Ian. Um, wh- what's going on with chassis, man? That was a big storyline. Ch- chassis are... At the moment, everyone has them. I mean, if you, I was in a terminal two weeks ago. He said he had 19 acres of chassis. Uh, to give you an idea, it's, I think he said it was about 7,000 chassis, but it was taking up 19 acres of uh, terminal space, just housing chassis, port chassis. For me, uh, if you see that video that's up there, that is our, that's one of our uh, feeder yards, if you will. Uh, that's where we stash empties. And what would be our chassis pool that we used to stack in the main yard, which uh, we've moved over to this yard. This yard holds, I, I know I, I drove through a little fast, but this, uh, this yard holds fifteen <laughs> containers is the one you're looking at. Interesting. So, uh, you know, empties, let's talk about that for a second. That was another huge issue. Is it still a problem returning empties? Sure. Uh, the empties, it, the empty flow, a lot of people don't understand where it stems from. It, it actually stems from space inside the terminal and vessel, new vessels coming. Um, but it's if a vessel, if a steamship line doesn't come in for a, what would be a month, two, uh, you know, a week, couple weeks to a month, or there's limited vessels coming in to what would, to retrieve the empty containers that are inside the terminals, the the terminals stop receiving the empties because essentially they get too full. At the moment, um, and, and over the last, I would say, three to four months, MSC has been an issue for many. Um, just it's due to everyone's full with them, everyone being the terminals that receive their empty equipment. Interesting. You know, what are your clients saying to you about the repositioning that did happen over in the East Coast? And do they have any concerns about the uh, labor contract for the ILWU? I, that, that's usually a, before me, uh, as the Dre, I usually start my job essentially once it hits the terminal or they say, Hey, it's here, but I am hearing that they are shifting. How much is shift, uh, shifted. I would say if a guy was sending me 20 containers a week, now I see about five. Uh, if that kind of gives you an eye, like an idea, I'm short 15. Now of the 15 that I'm short, what is what of the 15 is from they're shipping less and what of the 15 has diverted that I'm not too sure. Interesting. I would, that, that would be more, my customers would be able to tell you like, uh, we're very forwarder based. Um, mm-hmm. our customer base are a lot of, uh, freight forwarders. Um, I, I don't, I don't have too many BCOs myself. Um, but that's just the way that we're designed. Uh, everyone's a little bit different as far as uh, who they cater to. 
Well, that's okay. So what are your forwarders saying to you? What challenge are they facing right now? Um, most I would say is per diem. Uh, it's, and it's the ability to fight, see, to establish a, a, an SOP as far as what do we do uh, when the per diem invoices come in? How do we uh, mitigate these fees? What do we do to protect ourselves? And down the line, what do we do to protect our clients so that these you know, erroneous charges don't hit them? Interesting. So what is the best way to, to go about doing that? Just auditing the, the, the invoices? Hire me and I'll show you. Hire you and I'll show you. Okay. Um, can you show me how to haul no, no, a lion? Have you have you ever hauled anything as interesting as this? What's the most interesting? Like, do you have the lion, guys? Just roll that lion right here. Uh, what's the most interesting thing you've pulled out of the port? Ew. Great day in the morning. That's hilarious. Yeah. The, no, I. We, you know what? It's funny that we we have pulled some of those that end up going to Vegas. I've never. My, it's in a container. I've seen, uh, well, on a flat rack, I've seen a, like a circus. Um, oh, I don't even know what you want to call it. Cause it was holiday related. It wasn't a boat. It was a uh, Christmas related that was going, end up going to Vegas. And, but there's just some wild, like that, like that, that would be going like something in a flat rack going to Vegas for some sort of wild show or some sort of event that the hotel would put on. Hey, you know that that rule came in at the beginning of the year. Any truck before 2010 not allowed at the port has that impacted drayage operations at all for you guys? The market, yes, but I don't think anyone would admit that. Uh, only the volumes are down, and because volumes are down, it's not hitting everyone uh, as much. In that we are, we all had over uh, over. We were over capacity. We had over capacity here in LA. So if I lost, uh, for us here, I, I know, I think we lost like 15 trucks total. Um, but the, that said, those guys did not get new trucks and where did they go? I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe they left the market, they moved, uh, they went to another company. I'm not sure. But, uh, as far as the market itself, they haven't felt it. And I don't, I am not sure if they will just because of the overall, uh, volume of containers right now and that it's low. Um, I just, I just don't think it'll be felt. It's, uh, much like, uh, the, what would you compare it? It's just, it's an overcapacity. Interesting. Well, I got a chart right here and I was curious if the port of Los Angeles is back. Show this one up. This is inbound ocean TEU volumes to the port of Los Angeles, California. And it looks like we had a nice little spike there coming into the year. And they're, uh, they're at least elevated over where they were for, quite a fair portion of where they were in 2022. You kind of mentioned you don't think it's going to hold past next month, but give me some insight into what you're seeing. Do you, does this seem like it's percolating at all? I'm not sure if the overall, it'll hold like as far as, uh, as let me put, rephrase that, as far as an increase. I think we're going to increase in the next couple of weeks. For the next couple of weeks, um, I have spoken to a few terminals uh, who have said that they expect volumes based on vessels calling uh, for about a month, give or take, and then it'll dip off for a little bit. I don't think anything will remain consistent uh, until the end of Q2, uh, beginning of Q3, uh, for as far as like volume on a steady weekly uh, daily volumes. So how do you plan That's for that? How do, you, how do you plan and how has 
these past two years changed how you're forecasting because the models are kind of broken? A hundred percent. It's been very, very difficult uh, to plan. Uh, it's, ew, that's, <laughs> that's a great question. The, the day-to-day, um, it's, it gets to be tough uh, as far as pre-planning too far ahead because you don't know. My, it's contracts in our in our business are completely shady uh, in the sense of someone will tell you they they're doing two thousand can here let me quote you on two thousand containers but at the end of the day you're giving them a two thousand container rate and they only have a uh, thousand containers coming in uh, the forecasting and like you said the the predictability is very very difficult uh, to gauge. What ends up happening, and this is where people, you know, get salty, is that you, if that guy's only going to give me a thousand, let's for say, and I've planned on two thousand, I have to basically oversaturate myself and sell other customers to guarantee the volumes uh, across the board and to guarantee that they remain consistent to kind of keep the drivers consistent. If the drivers aren't consistent, consistently working, uh, consist- consistently moving. What they end up doing is they they they'll go down the street to the next guy and, uh, you know, work somewhere else. You just got to keep them moving. Well, you know, you told people to to DM you if they got a per DM. We mentioned those earlier. And here's a picture of this invoice. Tell me what's wrong with this invoice. And if someone gets one, why they should DM you. So, so this particular invoice came in over the weekend. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I haven't seen in, in looking at my, the messages I've received on this thing, I haven't received, uh, what I was looking for. Uh, the date of the invoice uh, reads February 4th, which was two days ago. This move happened back in May. Yeah. Uh, what, what do I do with an invoice like that? I have no leg to stand on as far as customer. Hey, here, let me bill you this uh, six months after the fact, $1,725. Don't tell me to go fly a kite. Um, of which is the answer. The answer is yes. go fly a kite. Um, how do you, what do you, if you want me to do something with that, uh, I send it back to them and say, Hey, wh- exactly what I'm saying. Now, customer wise, I'll tell you the difference between a good trucker and a bad trucker in that circumstance is, is the customer going to see that? And I can tell you my, my customers will not. Okay. So at, you're saying at your end, just call this thing out right away. What is sort of the cutoff for billing on a per diem? I mean, we've called out made and now eight months seems like too long. You know, you said, you know, go F yourself if you send that. Uh, what about like, what is the window where this wouldn't be so shady? Uh, it's, it falls under the UIA agreement. Um, and then it goes into what could be the disputable charges or it could get into what would be a legal battle. That's uh, above my way above my pay grade. But the there are choices that people have in today's market, and a lot of times education uh, of what these choices are uh, is slim to none. Um, those that hire the wrong people uh, will end up paying for certain circumstances as such, and they won't. And they won't know any better. I have a customer that we brought on uh, about full. We we were one of three truckers and we took on uh, their entire L.A. volume. Uh, The other two truckers involved were two larger than me uh, players in the market of which uh, this particular customer, they're a food importer. 
uh, was basically paying millions of dollars every year for the last two years in per diem dollars, of which it wasn't their fault. Uh, the other guys didn't say a word and just kept billing it out the rear. Um, and it's just, it's basically just doing, uh, really the answer for me is it's doing the, doing what's the right thing to do. Sure. Sure. No, and, I hear it. here. It's, it's just what's fair. And, and I, I think a lot of times that people weren't treated fairly and a lot of people don't know that's, that's the surprising part from my end is they don't know what is fair and what is not fair when it comes to drayage. Uh, a lot of people think that, you know, a good trucker and a bad trucker, the difference is pricing hmm. and it's really not, uh, if you've ever found the right trucker. Makes sense. Well, Ian, if they want the right trucker, if they want the right drayage provider, where do I send them to? Yeah, have them send me an email, please. Uh, email rates, R-A-T-E-S, at jctransports.com, jctransports with an S.com. And one thing I'm going to throw in for those listeners of today's show, anyone who references What the Truck, I will award $25 a day chassis to any and all participants. So please send me an email, rates with an S, at jctransports.com. Cool. Go get your chassis. Take take it easy, Ian. Thanks for coming on. Next conference, I'll try to catch you before we both uh, get on airplanes. Totally. Totally. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> take it easy. All right. Meanwhile, you know, this calls back to when Rachel Premack was on about a week or two ago. She was saying that she found it shocking that 26% of people thought that they couldn't defeat a rat in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But if you look at what's on this gentleman right here on the subway in New York City, you might be part of that 26%. This guy right here, he just finally realized it there, shakes it off, probably wants to find the nearest bottle of Purell. But Rachel, I gotta say, that video right there is making a good case for Team Rat. I don't know. Our next guest, he might have been to New York once or twice. I know he just got back from a ski trip. It's Aaron Rubin, founder and CEO over at Ship Hero. Aaron, what's up, man? You ever encounter a rat that size? What's up, Dooner? Uh, yeah, I live right outside New York, so uh, <laughs> I'm not taking the subway again, though, after watching that video. <laughs> no, no, it just woke up right on that guy. It was horrible. I got a question for you, though. I haven't, I haven't been on the perfect ski trip, so I want to know, what makes the perfect ski trip? Oh, man, it was, I had a great ski trip uh, in Salt Lake, in Park City. Um, and just a good group of dudes. Everyone was smiling on the mountain. Uh, it was good weather, good ski conditions. And everyone's happy, right, because everyone's there on vacation. So it was great. I had a great few days. Took a couple days off work, which was nice. Well, very, very cool. Well, what's going on in warehousing? I was looking at a chart from the LMI, and it looked like, you know, capacity is, is up and down. I'm not sure if we, we have that one here, but I was, I was curious. We heard so much about inventory and everything. What does someone on your end see when it comes to all that inventory glut and what's happening in the, uh, in the warehouse? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of new leases, in terms of your ability to get new space, it's not as uh, tight as it was, but still pretty tight. Rates are still pretty high. Um, I think those numbers are maybe a little bit lagging where, there's there's availability in warehousing. Uh, you know, people got used to the higher prices, so they continue to charge those higher prices. But we're seeing um, when we tried to get leases a year ago, the terms were pretty pretty outrageous. They would ask for you know non financial terms that were pretty tough. That's come down a bit, and there's more space available. So I think we're getting back to a more normal place. 
Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. I'm curious about your story because about a decade ago, you were running an e-commerce lifestyle brand and you did what some other freight tech founders have done is you said, you know what, this software out here sucks. I can't get serviced like I need to get serviced. Tell me the Shapiro story. How did that come about? Do you remember that day? Yeah, so I sold uh, apparel for a martial art called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. The business still exists. Um, I still own it. But I don't run it. Um, so, yeah, we were looking for WMS, me and um, Yosef Haas, who still works for me, uh, works with me at Shapiro, uh, built our own system. So my, my background as a programmer, his is we built our own uh, internal system. I had friends who ran e-commerce businesses who would look at it and be like, hey, can I use that? I'd be like, no, I just built it for myself. They're like, it's amazing. Like, why can't I get that in the market? So uh, we just decided to build a new version. So we rebuilt it uh, for uh, for sale uh, so we can service anyone. Um, and that's really how it started. Uh, it was a super simple idea, which is use iPads or iPod touches instead of using like the clunky Motorola Windows CE devices. Uh, easier to train, easier to use, easier to program. And like, let's just make something, um, you know, more modern, um, which you would think, you know, you'd only have a few years of like, hey, everyone would be on iPads. Still a lot of warehouses are still not on iPads. But um, so, like I said, it's been about a decade and the industry is finally moving to more of a standard uh, UI using yeah, iPods and, and uh, Android devices. Interesting. What is, what's been the hardest problem to solve for you in warehousing? Well, so we have software and we run um, our own building. So in the running our own buildings for people who want to outsource to us, the hardest part is getting the stock to be in the right location. So our model is you send it to a single location. So let's say you import it to Long Beach, we truck it to Vegas, and then we move it for you to our facilities around the country. We have nine facilities um, in North America. And splitting that product, making sure we're putting the right product in the right place to ship it to the end customer without having a lot of split orders is just really tough math AI problem. Uh, so we spend a lot of time on that. That's probably the hardest problem we're, we're solving right now. Interesting. You, how long have you had assets before? How long have you had warehouses? And did that change the, the company from being like software first to also having to manage warehouses? Yeah, so about three years, we were software only for the first seven years of the company. We didn't want to have our own buildings. We have lots of customers with buildings, and we tried to convince them to do this model, most notably Shopify. They were our big customer with their Shopify fulfillment network. We tried to convince them that this this model we call load balancing, where you receive stock in one warehouse and you move it for the customers the right way. We said, let us be the tech. You guys be the warehouses. Like We don't want to buy buildings. Like We want to be software only. Um, we couldn't convince them. And then after a while of trying to convince them, we just convinced ourselves. We're like, all right, this does seem like a pretty good idea. Why don't we just do it? Interesting. You know, sustainability, ESG scores, I was just at Manifest. Like, it was coming up in all these EV pitches and everything. And I imagine, like, in warehousing, that has to come up as well. One of the easiest ways to be sustainable is to not drive those miles needed. And you were talking about positioning. What kind of aspects of sustainability, yeah. what kind of pressures are being put on your customers and yourself to help fulfill those? Yeah, I mean, the most important, so I, I never believe that you'll get people to accept any downgrade in service or speed in exchange for environmental sustainability. So it's got to be faster, cheaper, and better for the environment, which uh, localization does. If it's closer to the end customer, you're able to achieve your one to two day delivery without putting on a plane. But if it's further, 
if it's in, you know, California and it's got to go to Miami, it's got to get on a plane for two days. But if it's in Jacksonville and it's got to get to Miami, it'll be there in one day by truck. So, and it's about four times as carbon emitting to use a plane versus uh, use a truck. So that's the goal. It's super simple. Um, just ship it from close to the end customer. Don't put stuff on planes. Hard to execute, but it's much bigger impact than I'm also skeptical of all these carbon offsets where it's like, oh, we won't tear down some rainforest for a while. Um, I don't, I think that's all a bit of BS. I think the real sustainability is just simply don't burn more fuel than you need. And we still burn way more fuel than we need in logistics. So I think all the people that are spending their time on, you know, carbon capture technology, they're really smart. And if they put their effort towards improving logistics efficiency by 1%, have a way bigger impact than what they're doing in carbon capture. So um, I think people just don't understand how inefficient logistics is and how much opportunity there is to reduce the carbon impact of what we're all doing. We need to move our stuff around. Like that still has to happen, but we could do it in a way more efficient way than we're doing it today. There's a lot of waste. What about robots and automation? Another big thing I saw out there is everyone had their brand new warehouse robot or some of their older warehouse robots and there's different models and everything. And, and some look slow and some like I've worked in a warehouse and I'm like, you know what? A human still could kick that thing's ass because it's got legs and it's got hands and it's just quicker. Yeah. What are you seeing in terms of automation and, and the robots? Yeah, it's happening. Like automation is happening. Um, it's gradual uh, in terms of the different complexity. So the simplest complexity is sort of a cart that walks around with you like a Six Rivers. The next is um, like a Locust style where it's like a swarm of robots that move stuff. Uh, we work with a company called Invia Robotics, which is a goods to person system um, and a couple others. So there's a bunch of stuff happening there. There's real progress. Uh, warehouses, you know, but most people don't, which is there's more than one function in a warehouse, right? There's receiving, there's replenishment, there's inventory management, there's picking, there's packing, there's unloading trailer, trailers, and there's loading trailers. Each of those are uh, a different task. Some are easier to automate with robots. Some are harder, but they're all different robots. So it's the idea that, hey, you're going to put in one type of robot and solve all your problems or even 50% of your problems is, is not accurate. It's going to be a mix of different robots to solve different challenges. Um, and they're they're being deployed at different speeds, but we're seeing a lot of our customers deploying robots, and um, the pace is going to continue. It's just going to take like twenty years or more till it's done, but it's it's happening. Are, are warehouses hot? Are they hot in the VC space right now? That was another big thing that was out. There were venture capitalists out in full force, and I was talking to them, and I was curious about like, are you are you here to make deals? Are you here to not make deals? Are you here to see what's going on? And they all seemed interested, but they all said something interesting as well. They said, yeah, but at newer valuations. Um, are you seeing as robust a market? How do you think freight tech's going to do this year? Yeah, I mean, certainly valuations got way too high. Um, over the last couple of years. So there was companies that were not profitable, uh, didn't really have a great plan other than just grow really quickly. Um, and those are having trouble getting funded. We never raised that sort of round. So um, we're in a bit of a better spot. Uh, yeah, there's still a lot of interest, but definitely more questions around you know, profitability, um, and then, yeah, the valuation, like I said, some of them were just insane. So they just come back to normal, which is fine and, and healthy. Well, Aaron, you are on about your 10-year anniversary with the idea for this company. What has, what's been most rewarding so far? If you, if you look back, reflect back for me for a second here. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just impressive that we're able to pull it off. Like what we tried to do around some of the warehouse efficiency gains, um, uh, automating how things work so that there's less wasted labor and walking. Like we didn't know if it was like we could pull it off like algorithmically, right? Like if we could get the code to work to do what we wanted, uh, we were never sure uh, before we did it, right? So we just sort of jumped in and, and it, you don't find out for a few years if you could do it. So the fact that we were able to pull it off, we have a warehouse management system deployed in lots of big companies, you know, shipping billions of dollars a year worth of goods. Like, you know, you take it for granted looking back. Yeah, of course you could build it. But I remember being there thinking like, I don't know, we're going to try, but this might not work. So um, yeah, it's been super rewarding. Um, and then also our team's been around like our first engineer and our second engineer are still, you know, members of the company. And um, our first designer is still a member of the company. And, and just the longevity of the team, like I've been working with the same people basically through the whole journey. And that's like uh, super lucky to be able to do that. Um, those relationships, you just, you can't replace a 10 year working relationship, right? You just have a level of comfort and, you know, and love for your people you're working with that just doesn't happen overnight. So those are the two most rewarding things. How are you keeping up with scale? And you mentioned that there's so many different types of freight within a warehouse. It's, it's like robots. People, a lot of times they think warehouse where I like, especially like customers and you have to educate them and, and people who just are not in the know, they don't touch this stuff every day. Like I saw a video on your site where you even started printing t-shirts, for example. So there's all sorts of aspects to uh, film it. How do you stay on top of all that? How do you make sure these needs are, are, are fed? Well, so we don't serve everyone. So um, I think the first thing is just, being clear of what you do and what you don't do. Um, so most of the people we talk to are not a good fit if they want to use our warehouses. Uh, we're pretty specific with what we have. And then um, we plan, you know, let's say every quarter of like, okay, who are the customers we're serving today and who are the ones that we want to be serving and what's the tech we have to build to keep expanding that. Um, and we try to be pretty thoughtful about it, not just chase, oh, here's where the revenue is. Because like I said, there's, there's such different challenges. Like we've made some acquisitions one of the acquisitions had, you know, some hazardous material chemicals. We're like, okay, we still want to make this acquisition, but we're moving all that stuff out, right? Like, we don't want those customers anymore. Like, warehousing is, and we don't do fresh food. And we, there's just like a lot of things we just don't deal with. Um, so it can be really good at the things we do well, do deal with. Very, very cool. Well, people who match up well with you, we've made the, the right warehousing Tinder match here. They want to get in touch with you. How do? Where do I send them to? Yeah, my email is just Aaron at Shapiro.com. So A-A-R-O-N at Shapiro.com. And I'm also pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Aaron and ML. Um, yeah, follow, follow him on Twitter. Hey, good luck with the warehouse. Congratulations on your guaranteed success. And here's uh, to a good year of freight for all of us. I think we're all looking for uh, hopefully a, a bit of a rebound. And volumes actually this, this in January looked pretty good, looked pretty good. So let's keep that going. Yeah, I mean, the economy, I don't know how, but it seems like doing pretty good better than i thought so like be the, thankful fingers crossed we keep going the little economy that could i know we're all like yeah I, well you know what it has seemed and maybe you've, have you seen this in warehouse recessions in certain categories oh yeah oh there was definitely a big drop in certain categories a lot of home stuff fell yeah. off but like pet like we have a bunch of pet customers and um that went up during covid and it stayed strong like pet is pets here forever so there were some some changes that are really sticking um but overall, people are spending money on expensive things that I didn't think they would be, right? There's consumers still spending. The U.S. consumer is undefeated. $1,500 for that spy balloon debris on eBay. I don't know if you, uh, you've been saving up for one, <laughs> but you can, you can go get it, Eric. Yeah. 
Hey, man, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on on a Monday morning. Or Monday Always afternoon. Chat. Have a great week. Take care. Yep. Take care. Appreciate it. Later. Bye. All right. China, India, Vietnam, Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Switzerland, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. AIT Worldwide Logistics has 2,000 supply chain experts in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2023, they're adding more locations around the world as the organization continues to expand and make it easier than ever for customers to ship between Asia, Europe, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business... As unique as this show, you can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Speaking of unique guests, have you ever sold a trucking company to Red Bull? I sure haven't, but I hear Heath Treasure, CEO over at Super Tree Transport, may have done something like that. Heath, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, how you doing, Dooner? Nice, doing? To, nice to meet you. And good, good to be on the show. I got to correct you there. Uh, Super T was acquired by Burger Logistics, which is uh, partially owned by, by Red Bull. Burger Logistics oh. is out of Europe and, and, and Red Bull's out of Europe as well. But uh, we weren't directly acquired by uh, Red Bull. We were acquired by Burger, who is uh, owned by, by Red Bull. Well, very cool. Well, what is Super Tree Transport? Got, got, to, got, to make, got to make the legal team happy probably by setting that straight. Oh, sure. Happy to. Um, so uh, what is Super Tree Transport then? So Super Tree is a refrigerated carrier. We're about 15 years old. Started from one truck. Uh, I was the first truck driver, the first uh, billing manager, dispatcher, you name it. Probably similar to, uh, you know, stories that are out there right now from uh, guys starting a company and, and, uh, and building it. And, uh, but we specialize in the, in the grocery supply chain, uh, drink and beverage supply chain. And, uh, grew the company to uh, one, one of the faster growing companies in the western side of the United States and uh, you, you you nailed it with one of one of uh, one of our shipping partners had uh, reached out to us and, and said hey um, you know we, we, we think we need to be in your space and and what what can we do to, to partner up and, and acquire the shares well, Heath, how do you go from being a truck driver to building a trucking, helping build a, a trucking company like Super T, one that its parent company is eventually acquired by someone as big as Red Bull? That's uh, that seems like an impressive story with a lot in the middle. Look, uh, you know, I had I've had similar questions like this before. I, it, it, it's really interesting. I guess the the the, the hammer that 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 I like to, or the hammer I really like to drive, and the things that I like to to tell people is that, you know, people, you, you, you can still build wealth the blue collar way. I mean, you, you, you can roll your sleeves up hard work, uh, you know, advancing age old processes and procedures. I think most people would agree that truckload transportation is, uh, is and has been behind the curve in technology advancement. Obviously we're, we're, we're moving that, you know, the chains down the field a little bit better and better all the time, but, uh, it, it, it can be done and, uh, lots of hard work and a, and a, and a few lucky breaks. But, uh, you know, when, when I first, uh, grew up in the industry, actually, uh, some of the things we do today, uh, really contributed to the growth of our organization and, and continue to contribute to the growth. But there, there are things that we would have never even thought about doing even as far back as the nineties. Hmm. Yeah. So what would some of that, what would some of those 
that knowledge, that blue collar know-how that you, that you wouldn't think of surprised you when you were building this, that you're like, you know, we didn't think of this and this is actually a great idea and we know how to do it. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a, that's a really good question. I, you know, number one is there, there is no get rich quick uh, scheme in, in truckload transportation. I mean, there or, or, or supply chain. I mean, there, there, there's stories out there in the technology world and, and so on and so forth, where uh, organizations have, have, have started with great ideas and, and grown and sold off. But the, the answer is, you know, slow and steady, hard work and always developing new technology. I mean, we, we, we won awards for being um, one, of, one of the most advanced truckload carriers in our space. Uh, in in advancing technology and you know some of those technology things that that we utilize today you scratch your head and think man how 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 did how did these guys grow their organizations 15 20 years ago without some of these dashboards that are tracking you know uptime and utilization and you know uh, so on and so forth I mean there were some key metrics when I first got in the industry that that we were watching that, that we found aren't necessarily as important as others, you know, like rate per mile and, and uh, you know, a deadhead and so on and so forth. The, you know, th- those key metrics are vital, but we found that they're even more vital metrics and, and, you know, being able to monitor that stuff uh, real time as opposed to a week behind or, or two weeks behind or even a month behind is, is really key to growing any organization. If not rates, what are you using to sort of take the temperature, the, the health of things? What what tech are you using there or what barometer? Well, look, I want to I, I want to be humble in, in what I say. And I, I don't know. I don't know what our competitors do in terms of technology. But, uh, you know, we, we hear from our customers that, that we're supplying them information, uh, you know, reverse information on on scorecards and so on and so forth. We're, we're hearing from many of our customers that that we're one of the, the only few that are giving them some of this technology data, uh, you know, amount of time that our, our trucks and trailers are backed into a shipping dock and, and, and giving them, feeding that back to them. I mean, for example, and uh, really, really just trying to, uh, you know, advance the organization, improve our utilization, um, you know, and, and move the chains down the field by using that technology. I can tell you, you know, one, one of the key milestones for growing Super T uh, was through through the M&A space. And uh, we, we've learned, you know, there's companies out there that are, they're, you know, doing a, doing a merger and acquisition to grow every year. And uh, we've, we've learned through the bumps and, and bruises and black eyes in the road of, of M&A and growing our fleet. Uh, you know, learn the hard way of things that we do and don't want to do. And one of those things is, you know, you, you mentioned technology. I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, add a, shine a little light on some of the technology that we're, we're really excited about is better understanding future companies as we continue to grow through uh, understanding their operational infrastructure and their culture uh, better through technology. Um we, you know, everybody can do a Q of E when, when they're going to buy, buy a company. Um, but, but we really are beginning to put more emphasis on a Q of O and, uh, which is a technology driven study 
to understand the quality of their operation and the quality of their culture. Um, and, you know, a, a term and terminology and thought process that, that most truck lines trying to grow uh, never even heard of or thought of, maybe even just a year or two ago. But we, we wouldn't do another acquisition unless, uh, unless we used a, a Q&O study uh, through, through the technology-driven platform that Q of O Advisors has. Interesting. So you mentioned M&A, right? And we started this talking about Red Bull did some M&A. They needed to pick up a trucking company. Why do companies like Red Bull, why, why should they consider picking up trucking companies? What is the unique challenge? You sort of mentioned you're in that cold uh, beverage space. What, 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 uh, what makes that unique? Well, Burger, Burger who's, uh, you know, owned by Red Bull, has a, has a pretty substantial footprint in Europe. And, uh, you know, we, the, the, the relationship between us and our, our uh, you know, sister company or whatever you want to call it is one of, of, you know, any one of their other carriers. We have to perform and uh, we have to do a good job. But I, I, I think you're, you're seeing a lot of supply chain shipping uh, manufacturers that are uh, wanting to better understand the, the asset transportation side of, of, of their network. And so they're getting in, they're getting into it a little bit. They're dipping their feet so that they can, uh, for, for, for multiple reasons, so they can understand, uh, you know, the challenges that the, the carrier sides are having from a, a real inside in-depth look and, uh, and, and, and also trying to protect themselves in the event that, that uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm only guessing, you know, why, why they're wanting to get involved in this space. I don't want to, you know, put words in their mouth necessarily, sure. but I, I think it has a lot to do with having a better understanding of, of their supply chain and having some assets on the road to, to protect themselves in the future. Now, you guys are in uh, Potato Alley. We're in Freight Alley down here. You're up in Potato Alley up in Idaho. Why is Idaho yeah. a great uh, HQ home base? Why are you based up there? That's a good. That's a good question. I've been asked that a lot, but you know the amount of fresh potato volume that ships out of Idaho is, is, uh, you know, for a refrigerated carrier is, you know, I wish I could Google real quick the amount <laughs> of fresh potato shipments that, that come out of there, but it's, it's almost unmeasurable. It's a, it, it's a, it's a large amount of fresh potato shipments and you can pretty much get anywhere in the U S to help uh, fulfill capacity into the rest of our network. And those fresh potatoes, you know, back when I was young, they would only ship them part of the year because, um, you know, they didn't have the technology that they do today where they can keep those potatoes good all year long. So we're shipping a high volume of uh, fresh potatoes uh, year round, 12, 12 months a year. Uh, and, and, and the volume really, it goes through small ups and downs as far as, uh, you know, load volume, but it, it's pretty con consistent and steady. So let's, let's just say, you know, one of our customers, Red Bull or, or whoever it is, one of our customers says, hey, we need to, we need to fulfill capacity in this part of the United States. We can pretty much direct that traffic right out of, out of the potato patch here with the volume of fresh potatoes that are coming out of Idaho. Oh, wow. Wow. Exciting. So uh, potatoes, not a great bellwether of the economy, just too consistent. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> exactly. Well, good to know. Well, what, what kind of freight are you looking for? Who should reach out to you that wants to work with super T? You know, Look, we're, we're, we're trying to fulfill our, you know, our beverage side of our business. Obviously, you've mentioned a few times, 
specifically on the west side of the United States, we're, we're looking for uh, power only fleets to help us with uh, some of our uh, energy drink volume. Uh, you know, we can use use all the help, uh, you know, these five truck, 10 truck fleets that, you know, if they uh, haven't looked into power only, they should get a hold of us and, and look into it. But we're also looking to, you know, Burger Logistics is also looking to grow in the U.S. We're, we're trying to we, we need to tackle more and more of our, our supply chain with with our own capacity. So, uh, you know, and really, I know some of these big, huge truck lines, you know, they won't even really look at a fleet if, if they're, you know, 100 trucks or or, or, or they, they probably want them to be three, four hundred trucks. But we, we would look at anything, anything that, that would add help us add capacity to our network, uh, you know, and obviously past um, past the 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 you know the q of o from uh q of o advisors passed the quality of operations test and and we were able to identify that they would fit you know culturally and operationally into our network we're we're interested in talking to those people very cool hey t thank you so much it was great to meet you today everyone go check out super t especially if you have the criteria that he just mentioned hey thanks for having me it's good talking to you take care appreciate it good time for you Okay, well, hey, so about to wrap up the show here, but you guys remember I showed you that automated Taco Bell a couple weeks ago? Well, check it out. McDonald's now has the first ever so automated in, There's no one working at the counter, and you order whatever you want on the screen. Sometimes they have these robots going around bringing your food to you, and if you want to go through the drive-thru, you just order ahead online. Then just pull up to this special lane in the drive-thru, and this is how they works. So when you walk in, there's no one working at the counter, and you order whatever you want on the screen. Sometimes they have these robots going around bringing your food to you, and if you want to go through the drive-thru, you just order ahead online. Then the special lane in the drive-thru, and this is how they... All right, so Unusual Wells, they report McDonald's launched its first fully automated fast food restaurant in Texas. The entire experience does not require interaction with a single individual. Location is just outside Fort Worth. McDonald's said the fast food chain explained that the restaurant is geared towards customers who are planning to dine at home or on the go. So there is no seating inside the restaurant, and it's considerably smaller than a traditional McDonald's. So I guess you're just running through drive-thrus, and you're going in there to pick up a quick order. But they got those little robots moving around in there. They'll grab your fries off. What do you think? It's getting a little scary. I know everyone thought AI was going to like replace truck drivers first. So much fear. Automated trucks are going to take truck drivers' jobs. But as I have long contended on this show, I think in this decade, the people most at risk are people outside the truck. You're going to see freight brokers losing their jobs. You're going to see uh, fast food workers losing their jobs. Um, some warehouse workers, too, if those robots get up to snuff. Uh, world's becoming a... A brave new one. Talking about tech here, though, the fifth Tesla Semi has broken down. Take a look at this. Silent alert. He's got a picture here of yet another one of these Frito-Lay Tesla Semis. Number five, I believe only 12 have been delivered so far. I don't know if it's the same problematic one or this is the whole line, but he says fifth Tesla Semi hauled away. The uptake of Semi breakdowns with the temperature fluctuations appears to be on the rise. Um, Elon Musk care to comment on the development. He has, he has not, uh, I, I would be curious as well. What is going on? Obviously this is a test pilot situation, which is why they only put these out for Frito-Lay. So some problems are to be had, but after five of these things, I don't know, kind of curious what is happening over here. Are you guys, do you still have pre-orders on these things? Not sure. There's a video. 
Moving on to the next one here. There's a video that went viral over the weekend by the Coast Guard. Let's roll the tape here. It says, talk about arriving in the nick of time. While conducting a training mission at the mouth of the Columbia River, two Coast Guard air crews received a Mayday broadcast from the master of the PC Sandpiper after notifying uh, watch after notifying watchstanders at the at the sector Columbia River. That's a new one for me. Watchstanders. What is that? Is that the people who check out Coast Guard boats or people who are out on the water? I'm not sure. So it sounds good, right? Everyone's happy Coast Guard did an amazing job, and they did in saving this guy. However, there's more to this story, and it gets weird. CBS News reports a man rescued by the Coast Guard on Friday has been arrested by authorities after a bizarre incident involving a dead fish. The man has been identified as Jericho Labonte, the 35-year-old. He was in that yacht on Friday morning. Heavy surf and rough waves rolled that boat over. They threw Labonte into the surf of the Columbia River, which runs through Oregon and Washington before opening up into the Pacific Ocean. Astoria Police Chief Stacy Kelly told the Associated Press that the yacht that he was piloting was reported stolen later in the day Friday. So he's already on a stolen lot and falls in the water, but Kelly also said officers had been looking for Labonte since Wednesday. He was already a wanted man because he allegedly left a dead fish on the porch of an Oregon home that was featured in the 1985 movie, The Goonies. He did this. He's leaving dead fish at the Goonies house and he's stealing yachts and falling in the water. Now, he, I don't know if he ever would have got caught if he didn't just fall into the water there or why he left the fish. Or is that even an arrestable offense? I don't know. Maybe the yacht theft had something to do with it as well. But I don't know. I love that the Goonies are involved in this somehow. Hey, you guys. <laughs> All right. We got one more thing here. It is Cash the Kenworth Pup. Take a look at my buddy trucking A's doggy. Two months old right there. It is Cash, the Kenworth pup, keeping him company on the road. <laughs> says He says, good morning from Cash, the Kenworth puppy. We're off to our first adventure shortly. Let's do this. So he's finally old enough, too. He's got his wings. He's going to be sitting in the pilot seat on that truck, taking a nice ride with, uh, with the driver. Always love some dogs on here. Share them with me. By the way, I know we're at the end of the show, so if you're still listening, this is a good one for you guys. You know, we did What the Trivia on Friday. We're going to expand that. You've got a freight rival out there, someone you think you're smarter, a freight broker, a trucker, a CEO, a founder. It doesn't matter who it is. You think you're smarter than someone in freight. I want you to challenge them right here on the show on What the Trivia. You can reach out to me. You can email me, tdooner at freightwaves.com. That's T-D-O-O-N-E-R at freightwaves.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Timothy Dooner. Or you can find me on Twitter, same place, at Timothy Dooner, all one word. That is D-O-O-N-E-R. We'd love to get into that. Coming up on Wednesday on the show, we got Will Kerr from Edge Logistics. I love Willie Kerr. He's got the best voice in freight. Uh, we got Rachel Premack. Maybe she'll talk to me about those cardboard boxes and how those are a bellwether of the economy. And we've got Super Trucker and Rooster. I might force them to do a little bit of what the trivia and come after us. Let's see. Any headlines you to check out? We got a minute here. Yeah. Before, after this show, go to FreightWaves.com. Check out this article here on the Purple Promise Damaged. A lot of people getting mad at these integrators. Hard for me to read that. I used to abide by the Purple Promise as a FedEx trade networker, but that's a great article we got on here. Cummins Post Record 2022 results at integrates. Um, what else here? Why liner profits stay high much longer than spot rates? All three good ones. Check those out on FreightWaves.com. Find me on the internet, Timothy Dooner on LinkedIn, at Timothy Dooner on Twitter. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast by looking up What the Truck or 
you on every single Freight Waves podcast, all on one convenient feed. Look at Freightcast. Subscribe to it there. We got like 12 shows, right? Who wants to subscribe to all those? Just subscribe to one. You can also download the Freight Waves TV app and watch this thing in stunning HD on your TV. Thank you for joining us on What the Truck today. We'll be back at noon Eastern Time live and on demand Wednesday. Don't be a stranger. Goodbye.